You are listening to audio from First Baptist Church in Fort Walton Beach. If you would like more resources or to watch our service online, please visit fbcfwb.org. Listen in as Pastor Wade helps us abide in Christ and advance the gospel through the teaching and the proclamation of God's Word. Something's got to give. When you follow Christ, seeking to live your life under His authority and Lordship, Eventually, when you live in a Babylon-like culture, there will be a confrontation. Because that culture is going to seek your conformity to its ways. And when those moments of confrontation come, something's got to give. And the choice is very clear. When the culture wants you to conform to its ways, you will either acquiesce and go the way of the world, or you can be like Daniel and draw a line in the sand and choose the applause of heaven over the applause of this world. Now I want to show you an example of this found in the book of Daniel as we continue our study through this wonderful Old Testament book. Daniel chapter 1. Turn there with me. Daniel chapter 1. We'll begin reading in verse 8. Last week we saw how the Lord allowed the Babylonian Empire to come against the Jews. Because of the Israelites' unfaithfulness to God, because they had worshipped false gods, God used the Babylonians as an instrument of judgment. And they, under the leadership of King Nebuchadnezzar, came against the Jews, ransacked the city of Jerusalem, and took thousands of Jews into captivity back to Babylon. That time period in Jewish history is called the Babylonian exile. And among the thousands that were taken back to Babylon were hand-picked young men whom King Nebuchadnezzar wanted educated in the ways of Babylon. Four of them are mentioned specifically. We saw that last week. And this week we're going to see how Daniel, along with three other Hebrew boys, teenagers probably, draws a line in the sand and chooses to stay faithful to God over the pressure to conform to Babylon. So look there with me in Daniel chapter 1 verse 8. When you found your place, I want to ask you this morning if you are physically able to please stand with me in honor of the reading of God's living word, truth with no mixture of error. Daniel chapter 1, verse 8. The Bible says, But Daniel resolved, notice that word, Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself with the king's food or with the wine that he drank. Therefore he asked the chief of the eunuchs to allow him not to defile himself. And God gave Daniel favor 
and compassion in the sight of the chief of the eunuchs. And the chief of the eunuchs said to Daniel, I fear my lord the king who assigned your food and your drink, for why should he see that you were in worse condition than the youths who are of your own age? So you would endanger my head with the king. Then Daniel said to the steward whom the chief of the eunuchs had assigned over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, Test your servants for ten days. Let us be given vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then let our appearance and the appearance of the youths who eat the king's food be observed by you and deal with your servants according to what you see. So he listened to them in this matter and tested them for ten days. And At the end of ten days it was seen that they were better in appearance and fatter in flesh than all the youths who ate the king's food. So the steward took away their food and the wine they were to drink and gave them vegetables. As for these four youths, God gave them learning and skill in all literature and wisdom. And Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. At the end of the time when the king had commanded that they should be brought in, the chief of the eunuchs brought them in before Nebuchadnezzar. And the king spoke with them, and among all of them none was found like Daniel Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. And in every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king inquired of them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and enchanters that were in all his kingdom. Now look at verse 21. And Daniel was there until the first year of King Cyrus. Let's pray together this morning. Fathers, I read in your word this morning, I will sing of the steadfast love of the Lord forever. And with my mouth will I make known your faithfulness to all generations. We have sung today of your amazing love. We truly stand amazed in the presence of Jesus the Nazarene. And now, Lord, I pray that you would help me as we study your word and are reminded of your faithfulness. God, may generations in this room today grasp your trustworthiness, your faithfulness in life and living. And God, may we leave today Empowered by the Spirit of God to draw those lines in the sand, to follow you when pressured to conform. Help us, Lord. We need you. And we ask that you would continue to draw near. And we ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated. The book of Daniel divides evenly into two sections. And not only two sections, the book of Daniel divides into two different genres. In chapters 1 through 6, you have the genre of narrative. A story is being told, mostly revolving around Daniel and these three other Hebrew boys and their, their lives in Babylon. This first section of Daniel is about faithfulness. And the central theme is that 
it's possible to live out courageous faith and be faithful to God when surrounded by evil. We talked about that a little bit last week, and we'll see that theme repeated throughout these sermons. The second half of the book of Daniel, uh, chapters 7 through 12, is a different genre of literature. It is the genre of apocalyptic literature or, or prophetic, looking ahead type literature. And the theme of that section is this, the future. The central theme is God's sovereignty over kings, kingdoms, and empires, and the ultimate victory of the ultimate king. So in the first half of Daniel, we're reminded we're called to be faithful. In the second half of Daniel, we're reminded of the future and that God wins. We can be confident. We can be courageous. That's what the book of Daniel is about. And we come back to this story of Daniel and the three Hebrew teenagers. And we see them draw their first line in the sand. This would not be the last line they draw, but this is the first line in the sand that they draw. Now I want to just look at this story under three different headings. I want to focus on three different phrases found in the text. The first heading I want you to see is this. Daniel resolved. Daniel resolved. It says there in verse 8, Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself with the king's food or with the wine that he drank. Now to understand this, you need to back up to verse 5, which we talked about a little bit last week, when it says the king, Nebuchadnezzar, brought these young men uh, into his uh, oversight to teach them the ways of Babylon. And it says in verse 5, the king assigned them a daily portion of the food that the king ate and of the wine that he drank. So part of their education was coming to depend upon the sumptuous fare of the king. He would provide for them their food and their drink. They would have the best food, the best drink in the land, the best wine in the land. And the implication of that is clear. The king is saying, I'm your source. I'm your provider. If you'll follow me, if you'll follow the ways of Babylon, you will have the best. And then we see in verse 8, Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself with the king's food or with the wine that he drank. Now how are we to think about this resolve of Daniel? Well, notice that Daniel takes a courageous stand. When it says there that Daniel resolved, that word is literally Daniel purposed in his heart. He made a heart decision that he was not going to eat the king's food or drink the king's wine. And the question becomes, why? Is this a fad diet on the part of Daniel trying to lose a few pounds? Was this a New Year's resolution? Was this a, a, a health kick? Had he been watching YouTube videos of, of, of ways to, to get a little more healthy? No, that's not what's happening here at all. Notice what it says there in verse 8. Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself with the king's food. The issue here is the issue of defilement. You can read Leviticus 7, 19-27 and Leviticus 11 and see the dietary laws that God gave his people to follow. 
And Daniel understood, if I eat the food of the king, and they don't hold to these same laws, then I will disobey the dietary laws that God gave his people. Daniel did not want to eat foods that were ceremonially unclean according to the law. He wanted to keep the law as an act of obedience. So he says, I, I don't want to eat the king's food. I don't want to drink the king's wine. This would, listen, this was Daniel's way of saying, I may be in Babylon, but I'm still a follower of Yahweh. That's what he's saying here by, by resolving not to eat of the king's food. So this was a big deal. Let me tell you why this was a big deal. This was a big deal because he had been forced to change locations. Some Babylonian soldiers had invaded his hometown. They had probably kicked down the door of his home, looking for young Hebrew males to take back and educate in the ways of Babylon. And against his will, against the will of his family, he's, he, is, he is taken away captive to another land. He had changed locations and it would have been easy for Daniel to say, you know, I'm not in Jerusalem anymore. I'm not around the priests and the scribes and the religious teachers that are instructing me how to live my life. I'm far away from all that. So, you know, maybe I'll just eat the king's food. But even though he had changed locations, he drew a line and said, no, I'm still a follower of Yahweh. Also, Daniel had gone through great trauma taken against his will to a foreign land. Everything he knew that was familiar was gone. Away from loved ones, away from the familiar, under the authority of a very powerful king and his warriors. And even in the midst of that trauma that he had experienced, Daniel said, I'm still a follower of Yahweh. I don't understand why this is happening. Well, I'm going through this difficulty, but I'm still a follower of Yahweh. Also, not only had Daniel changed locations and gone through great trauma, now he was being pressured to conform. We don't know the exact implications, but the chief eunuch of the king understood that if he doesn't do what the king says, he's going to suffer for it. He's going to die. And, and the extension of that is, if these young Hebrew boys don't do what the king tells them to do, they will die as well. This was very brave of Daniel to draw a line in the sand when being pressured to conform. Now, why do I point that out? That Daniel still maintains his allegiance to Yahweh in Babylon. I was reading this passage and I was thinking about the young people in our church. Did you know for decades, uh, researchers have been tracking how, how Christian kids who grow up in church, they go through children's ministry and youth ministry, how they graduate and go on to their, to their career or go on to school, how, how a majority of those kids walk away from church. Do you know that? It's happening. It's happened for decades now, and it's still happening today. The majority of kids that graduate, members, and they're members of a church, an evangelical church, at some point walk away and say, nah, not interested. 
And think about what happens when a kid leaves their home. They change locations. They're away from the familiar. Away from mom and dad saying, get up and let's go to church. Right? They go through trauma. They experience life. Not necessarily under their parents' shelter anymore. And they experience hardship. And and they experience the, the realities of life. It hits them in the face. And they are pressured to conform to the ways of this world. Just like Daniel. And Daniel demonstrates to our young people. Listen to me. You can change locations. And go through great trauma. And be pressured to conform to this world and still be faithful to Yahweh. That's what Daniel shows us here. That just because things change and and, and, and life changes, you don't have to turn your back to God. You can run to Him and embrace Him and live for Him even when you're surrounded by Babylon. Amen? Oh, how our young people need to to take hold of this message. Daniel and the Hebrew boys exemplified that. Charles Spurgeon picks up on this aspect of the text when he says, Oh, that we had a multitude of young men, and by extension young women. We had a multitude of young men who knew how to put their feet down. We have a great number now who are watching to see where to put their foot down. And they will try to put it down, not where it is most solid ground, but where it is most turfy and easy and soft to the feet. Spurgeon says, May God give us back the old grit that used to be in old-fashioned Christians, to whom custom was nothing, but God's word was everything. To whom it mattered not whether it brought loss or gain, but they did the right and followed the right cost what it might. This passage calls our young people to say, I'm not looking to put my foot down on the place that's most popular. I'm not looking to put my foot down on the place where I will garner the applause of this culture. I'm going to put my foot down on the truth of the Word of God. And and by His grace, I'm going to stand. But can I remind you, the challenge here is not just for young people, is it? Tomorrow, all of us in here will probably have an opportunity to conform to the ways of this world or choose faithfulness to Christ. Tomorrow, everyone in this room, tomorrow. And the question becomes, will you be like Daniel by God's grace? Or will you conform? Over in Romans 12, Paul writes, don't be conformed to this world. That word conformed means to be pressed into a mold. That's what that word means. And tomorrow, we got to decide. Will I be pressed into a certain mold? Or will I maintain my allegiance to my Lord? And his name is Jesus. So Daniel took a courageous stand. He, took, he drew a line in the sand. But don't miss this second thing. Daniel proceeded... With wisdom and grace. 
He drew a line in the sand, purposed in his heart. But notice how he carries out this resolve. Look what it says there back in verse 8. He said he would not defile himself with the king's food or with the wine that he drank. So therefore, look what he does next. He asked the chief of the eunuchs, the one who had charge over these young men, he asked the chief of the eunuchs to allow him not to defile himself. And God gave Daniel favor and compassion to the side of the chief of eunuchs. The chief of eunuchs expressed this concern to Daniel. I fear, my lord, the king who assigned your food and your drink. For why should he see that you were in worse condition than the youths who are of your own age? That would endanger my head with the king. So then Daniel, in verse 11, begins to say, well, try this out. Give us vegetables and water for, for 10 days. And let's see how it looks at the end. Let's see how we look at the end. And that's exactly what transpires. So what does Daniel do here? Daniel proceeds... With tact and with grace and with gentleness. And implied here is kindness. The chief of the eunuchs liked him. And he liked these, these Hebrew teenagers. You see, listen to me. You can take a... I'm going to say a word here. It's going to shock you, but I'm going to go ahead and say it. You can take a stand for Jesus without being a jerk. You, listen, you can take a stand for Jesus in tactful, kind ways. You can take a stand for Jesus while actually showing people Jesus in your life. And that's so important because I think sometimes some misguided Christians draw lines in the sand and they think that they're being faithful by being caustic to others and being mean to others. And that is not the way of Christ. Amen? You see, a courageous stand, I want you to hear this, a courageous stand accompanied by an attractive life is a powerful thing. I've seen courageous stands devoid of an attractive life, and it has no power. I've seen kind people, agreeable people, with no courage in their life, that has no power. But when someone will draw a line in the sand and live out the virtues of Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit while they're standing for Jesus, that is a powerful, powerful thing. And, and, and we need more of it in our culture. And we need more of it in the church. We need more of it in Christendom. We need Christians who will be courageous, who will draw lines in the sand while loving people more than they want to be loved. What we need. That's what Daniel exemplified. The Old Testament scholars Jameson Fawcett and Brown wrote this about this section. While decided in principle, we ought to seek our object by gentleness rather than an ostentatious testimony, which under the plea of faithfulness courts opposition. In other words, Stand for Jesus. Do the right thing. Don't conform to the way of this world. But 
But don't be ostentatious. Don't be bombastic. Don't be belligerent. Don't be mean. Jesus lives in you. It's like the old hymn. Let others see Jesus in you. And so Daniel exemplifies a courageous stand wed with an attractive life. And there's power here. And we can learn from this. Hey, can I tell you something real quick? People that are opposed to you, and they're going to be, if you follow Jesus, there's going to be people opposed to you. But did you know that you can like people that don't agree with you? You really can. Listen to this you can even be their friend. And and what does friendship do? Look at me, look at me. It builds a bridge so they can get up close to you. Listen. And see the difference that Jesus makes. You're not just drawing a line in the sand to take some cultural position. You're following the Lordship of Christ because Jesus is everything to you. And when people can get up close and see that, it makes a difference. And so, the first part of this story is Daniel resolved. And it's powerful. The second phrase I want you to see is God gave. God gave. Look what it says in verse 9. God gave. Everybody see that? And God gave Daniel favor and compassion. Here's what I love about this story. Here's what I want to encourage you with today. Daniel's resolve is met with divine assistance. When you draw a line in the sand and say, I will follow Jesus come what may. When that happens, God will help you. He will not leave you to your own devices and own strength. and own. God will help you. Daniel resolved and God gave. God gave what? God gave Daniel favor there in verse 9. He gave him favor. Look what it says in verse 15 and 16. It says, at the end of ten days it was seen that they were better in appearance and fatter in flesh than all the youths who ate the king's food. So the steward took away their food and the wine they were to drink and gave them vegetables. Verse 17, as for these four youths, God gave them learning and skill in all literature and wisdom. And Daniel had understanding in all the visions and dreams. So God blesses them with physical health. An outward display of how strong they were. Just by eating vegetables and water. God meets their their conviction with his help. He gives them favor. You know what favor is? Favor is God's approval and support. That's what favor is. I was reading the Psalms this this, uh, weekend. David closed, I think it's Psalm 86. He says, show me a sign of your favor. God, I want to be faithful. I want to live for you. Would you show me your approval and support? That's what David lived for. And when we live for the glory of the one true God, when we live for Yahweh, when surrounded by Babylon, we can expect God's approval. 
and God's help, God's support in that moment. So God gave Daniel favor. God gave Daniel knowledge. Look what it says in verse 17. As for these four youths, Daniel and the other three Hebrew boys, God gave them learning and skill in all literature. So he helps them to do well in school. That's basically what's happening here. They were learning the ways of Babylon. And learning the ways of Babylon would help them to navigate Babylon down the road. That's another sermon for another day. But they're, they're learning the ways of Babylon, and God helps them to excel. I mean, it's, they're making straight A's. They're acing the test. I mean, they're doing great. And look what it says there. It says God gave them that learning. God is, is helping their resolve and blessing their resolve. And then God gave Daniel wisdom. Look what it says in verse 17. God gave them learning, skill in all literature, and wisdom. You know what wisdom is? Wisdom is the right application of knowledge. They had knowledge, and they used it in a way that was, that was smart, intelligent. A way that honored God. And so Daniel resolved, and God gave. And here's what I want you to understand. This week... There will be confrontation between the ways of the world and the lordship of Christ. It's coming for you. It's going to knock at your door this week. And here's what I want you to understand. When you make that decision that I will stay faithful to Christ and not be pressed into a mold, God will come running with his help in that moment. He won't leave you by yourself. And that's an encouraging word. Which leads to number three. Daniel resolved. God gave. Number three, they stood. They stood. Look what it says there in verse 18. At the end of the time when the king commanded that they should be brought in, the chief of the eunuchs brought them in before Nebuchadnezzar, and the king spoke with them, and among all of them was found like, Found, none, of, none was found like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah. Therefore, look at this phrase, they stood before the king. You see the progression here? Draw a line in the sand. Choose the lordship of Christ. Choose to follow Yahweh. God will help you. And then God will give you influence. These Hebrew boys, snatched from their homeland, are now standing before Nebuchadnezzar, the most powerful man in the known world at that time. There were few kings through ancient history like Nebuchadnezzar. Now they're standing before him. Daniel and the Hebrew boys acquired great influence. And I want to show you how this chapter closes, the last verse. You can almost miss this detail if you're not paying attention. But look what it says in verse 21. And Daniel was there in the king's court, that position of influence. Daniel was there until the first year of King Cyrus. Did you know that eventually the Persian Empire overthrew the Babylonian Empire? And you know who the king of the Persians was that led in this overthrow? King Cyrus. You know when it happened? It happened 
over six decades after this story. So that means that Daniel had decades of influence that outlasted Nebuchadnezzar and outlasted the Babylonian Empire. They were overthrown. They fell. But guess who was still there? Daniel was still there. Daniel still had influence in the land. And so, godly influence should be our goal. That's why we take stands. Not to pat ourselves on the back. We take stands because we want to honor Jesus. And we take stands because we know that God will help us. And when we know that God will help us, we know that our lives will begin to permeate culture and have an influence to change things. Godly influence should be our goal. And so here's the question. And I don't want you, I don't want you to answer this flippantly. This is not an amen moment, okay? This is, a, this is a question to ponder in the quietness of your own heart. The question is, do you want to change the world? Do you really want to change things? Do you want to be a, an influencer, a representative, an ambassador of the kingdom of God? Making a difference in this world. Here's how you do it. You've got to draw some lines in the sand. You've got to determine that you will please God rather than man. You've got to do that. You've got to count on God's help. And then trust God to give you influence that lives beyond your life. That's how you change the world. But why should this kind of influence be our desire and passion? I mean, why should we desire to be influencers in this culture for the kingdom of God on behalf of King Jesus? Well, because Jesus told us it should be. He told us that our lives should influence others. And, and can I remind you as we consider the call of Jesus to be influencers, can I remind you of what Jesus did for you? The Bible teaches that Jesus left the perfect splendor and glory and unceasing worship of heaven. He took on the, he took on the frail humanity that we live in, in the womb of the Virgin Mary. He was born of Mary, fully God, fully man. And Jesus lived a perfect, matchless, unstained life. And Jesus, in obedience to his Father, as it says in Philippians 2, and because of his love for you, Jesus went to the cross. And on the cross, he took all of your sin and guilt and shame, all of your sin, all of my sin, on himself. And on the cross, he suffered Uncalculable spiritual and physical suffering. Dying in our place, taking the wrath of God that we deserve. Satisfying the wrath of God so we would not have to encounter the wrath of God. He took all of our punishment on the cross and he died. He 
he was buried. And early on the third day, he defeated death itself when he was raised and walked out of his tomb. He ascended to the Father. He's sitting at the right hand of God. And one day he will return to set everything right. That's your Savior. His name is Jesus. What more could he do for you than he's already done? And the question becomes, what does he ask from us? We can never repay him. What does he ask from us? He tells us very clearly in Matthew chapter 5, the Sermon on the Mount. He says, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket but on a stand. And it gives light to all in the house in the same way. Listen, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Jesus has done so much for us. The finished work of redemption. He calls us to reflect his work to others. He calls us to let our light shine. And here's the reality that you and I need to walk away with. If we do not draw lines in the sand and choose the lordship of Christ over culture, our light will not shine. And we will not have influence. And we will not make a difference. And we will not change the world, but the opposite is true, isn't it? Oh, if we can be like Daniel. If we could be like Daniel. Draw a line in the sand. Exhibit an an attractive, tactful, kind life. God comes to help us in that moment. Before you know it, we're standing before kings. Making a difference in this world. May God grant it. Thank you for listening. We pray you've been encouraged and inspired by God's Word. May the Lord richly bless you.